0: I think people can build products faster, right? So there's product that needs to be created. And even if it's the same amount of user research per feature, per product, or per versioning, that's just increasing. And and AI is going to help that, right? AI is going to make it easier to build new product, and therefore there's going to be more times when you want to do user research to get all of those qualitative insights.
1: Guided by over 25 years in the data and research industry and assisting innovators with investment banking and advisory services, Sima Vasa brings you Data Gurus, a leading market research podcast that offers actionable insights for business acceleration and value creation. Join her as she speaks with key innovators in the space to bring you up to speed with the current state and the future of data analytics and data ecosystems. This is Data Gurus. Tired of market research solutions that put your project in a box? At Paradigm Sample, we approach market research support with customized and consultative solutions. Whether you need help with questionnaire design, survey programming, or online data collection, we're ready to assist. Let us know your needs and we can customize a solution just for you. Learn more at ParadigmSample.com.
2: Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. Today, I'm joined by Basil Fakuri, who is the CEO and co-founder of User Interviews. Welcome, Basil.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
2: Good, good. Listen, I'm so excited to talk to you about your business And it seems like you've unlocked something very special as it relates to getting access to unique individuals that typically are hard to get to. Before we get to that, just talk a little bit about your background and how you got to this point in your journey.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I always like to say my co-founders and I took a bit of the scenic route. We came into the user research field more from the startup side, not from being professional user researchers. Our kind of first step was we actually started a completely different company it was called mobile suites it was a mobile app to order hotel services so you could order room service etc through this mobile app it was very much a bad idea we didn't talk to any customers we came up with mobile was big hotels are big and smash them together that's how you come up with a good app.
2: and obviously you thought you would use it too
0: we thought we would yeah so we were consultants before or at least me and one of my co-founders we were consultants so we were probably More likely to use it than most anybody else just because we were traveling and hotels more often. Yeah. And that was the time when it was Uber for X, Airbnb for X, where that's people were starting to think, though, that's how you come up with an idea. But after grinding away on that for a while, we, we weren't getting the traction we wanted. And we learned about talking to users, right? We didn't really know the term user research at the time. We were thinking more from the lean startup literature. And they're like, just go out there, talk to people, and it, it seems really obvious, right? But we weren't really doing it before, so we started talking to travelers that we knew. Eventually, we tapped that out, and we were like, we need to talk to more travelers to figure out what features to add, what kind of UX grade in this mobile app. So our hack was, we would buy refundable JetBlue tickets in Boston, go into Logan Airport, go past security, and then call in refund those tickets and then just accost people at the gate to give us feedback on the app to see you know, what could we fix to increase usage and get more people using it.
2: So you bought the tickets to get through security to be able to talk to active travelers.
0: Yeah, exactly. We figured, hey, if we want to talk to travelers. They're at airports, right? That's probably the best place to find them. So that was our like major kind of hack to talk to people. And we pretty quickly found out that, hey, there's a core value problem with this idea of mobile suites. It's not going to get fixed by... A better UX or some new hot feature or something. When you talk to people and ask them, what are their biggest pain points when they're traveling? No one mentions ordering room service. It's just there's a million other things and that's just not one. We kind of had this moment where we were like, look, we don't want to just keep working on this. We don't have faith in it anymore. What can we move into? So initially we started with travel ideas and then we broadened it. And we basically went through the summer where we just had all these ideas and we were doing user research about them and then running experiments with them. We went through a bunch of these and we were very much in this mindset. Like we had to have a lot of conviction in this idea because we just spent over a year on this failed idea. We need to make sure this is a home run. So we were doing all this user research. And then we had the aha moment that, look, we're super passionate about user research and it's really hard to find people. So how are companies doing this? And then when we talked to PMs, designers, researchers who do doing research, Everybody just said, biggest pain point is recruitment. Biggest pain point is getting users. So we were like, oh, that's the market's telling us something. People are telling us this. So then we said, hey, maybe there's a business here. And then we started doing this meta user research on research and then doing some small scale experiments. And then eventually we're able to get clients and turn that into a real product and a company and eventually venture funded as well.
2: That's really cool. I think it's so interesting how the second time around, or the scenic route, if you will, a long and winding road that you actually incorporated a ton more research in that process. I assume you did the first time, but to mitigate as much risk as possible, the second time around, you actually did more research.
0: I mean, I think we really didn't the first time. That was the problem. Uh, like I said, it was kind of meta, right? Because you're talking with user researchers about how they do user research. So it was interesting. And they enjoyed being on the other side of the table, right? Their, their whole career they're interviewing people. So I think it was interesting for them to get interviewed as well.
2: So the biggest pain point you were helping user researchers do is to get access to unique audiences, or is it just basically general consumer populations? Like where did you, even within that kind of swath of audiences, did you focus on a specific segment?
0: Yeah. So the product now, maybe just to fast forward, it's an audience of participants that we have a lot of data on. And then a set of automations that gets the right person in the right study. And our current differentiators are, we can get really niche users, a broad range of users, very low fraud rate, and we can do it very quickly. So our median time across all of our projects to find the number of qualified users is somewhere around two hours right now. So you can actually talk to them that day. Now, it took a long time to get to this level. So when we first started We were focused on consumers, like pretty broad-based audiences. We were winning on price and convenience to some extent. And then as we built up that audience, as we built up the tech, then we started finding, oh, we can actually find people other people can't. We're more efficient. We're faster. We have all these fraud detection models that no one else was using because we were the kind of a tech-first company an industry that really wasn't. So over time, now we can get SMB owners, IT managers, hard to find professions. But when we first started, it was more gen pop.
2: I'm not going to ask you to share your secret sauce, but give us broad kind of tenets, if you will, or philosophies that you have to get the actual right people. They are who they say they are.
0: High level, what we found that... It's actually somewhat easy or not easy, but you can get people in, right? The studies pay well. There's many different distribution channels. You can get people into the audience, but can you get the right people in and then can you match them to the right studies? So that is what we found was a little bit more difficult. So what we really focused on was building out that matching algorithm so that when someone comes and launches a project, looking for someone who's used this app and is this age group and all these kind of nuanced things able to better guess if this person qualifies or not. And what that did is it makes the audience trust us more. And then therefore we can spread out the studies more, or a, more retentive. And there's a really nice flywheel that happens that we've seen over time.
2: So you look at a little bit of behavior, a little bit of attitudinal information to potentially predict?
0: Yeah. A lot of what information We're not doing much. It's a lot of kind of using the data that we have that they've given us and stuff like that.
2: Got it. Okay. Now let's talk about demand side. You don't work with traditional consumer insights professionals. You focus more on user research, product testing, message testing, potentially.
0: So we built our platform to be pretty methodology agnostic. So you can use this for everything from an interview to a focus group, to a survey, to a usability test, diary study. We just want to be the best in the world at participant recruitment and then participant management, which was our second product, which we haven't talked about yet, but our first product was recruitment. That's still one of our two products. And what that allows us to do is, like I said, be used with different tools. So people can use us with Qualtrics, with Lookback, with Sprig. There's a lot of these tools. And we do sell to different professions, different industries. The bulk of our client base though is a little bit more from the product research side. So That can be user researchers, product researchers, UX researchers, all similar titles, and then also designers and product managers. But not to say that we don't sell the Consumer Insights professional.
2: If you had to figure out your primary target market, that would be it. The one thing I think is also very unique is, correct me if I'm wrong, you actually have people rate the participants in the study. Before they actually get the results.
0: Yeah. So the participants rate the, not necessarily before they get the results, but after they do the study. So yeah, they'll rate them. And it's very similar to what Uber did, right? And I think one thing we're really proud of is I believe the number is just two or 3% of the people get a bad rating or the below average rating. So we have a really high quality audience. We have a good show rate. And we've invested a lot in that because we think that's really what we're selling. That's the value we're selling. That's the trust we want to build with our customer base. And also because we started more on the moderated side with kind of a survey, if we were just a survey panel, you can have a little blend of quality there. But when you're doing 30 minute, 60 minute interviews, when you're inviting your boss to these interviews, when you're scheduling your day, you want to make sure the person is who they say they are, that they're engaged. They're not doing something else during the study. So those rating numbers are something we're really proud of.
2: And from a participant point of view, do the ratings play out in any way for themselves for each person?
0: Yeah, definitely similar to Uber. If you get bad ratings, we don't want you to do your studies yeah. and similar you know, shows. Yeah,
2: We've talked about the recruitment part of the business. You had mentioned earlier, there's a audience management platform that you also have as an offering. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, definitely. The first product that we've been talking about is a product called Recruit. Like I mentioned, it's this audience and these automations. The second product's called Research Hub, and this is when our clients... They were telling us, we love Recruit, but we do a lot of our research with our own customers. So we don't need that audience, but there's other pain points with that. So what we did is we opened up a lot of the automations we had built for Recruit and let them use it with their own customers. So scheduling, incentives, screening, communication, document signing. And then on the back end, we built in Research Hub a place for them to upload their own users through a CSV or through an API, or if users are just opting in through different opt-in forms, they go here. and then. That becomes the kind of central place where your researchers can see all the participants they can reach out to for research, different segments they have, who's unsubscribed. And then the other kind of big value prop is because it's connected to those automations, We know when you last emailed someone, how much you've paid them, when they last participated. So you can then go build in guardrails to say, look, we don't email people more than once every 90 days, pay people more in the next dollars. So it's doing this dual thing of decreasing the friction for the researchers, allowing them to do research faster and easier, but then also protecting the participants, making sure they're not emailed too much, protecting PII, making sure it's in a compliant way.
2: And do you have guardrails in place or does the customer put their, they define their own guardrails?
0: Yeah, they define their own guardrails. Companies have different requirements, so we have built it to be pretty flexible.
2: So I know when we spoke before, you were talking about your perspective on the tech stack, if you will, within the industry. Can you just share a little bit about that in terms of how you view the world as it relates to that?
0: Yeah, definitely. And whenever you're making these techs, it's never as clean as you want it to be because so. Some- Got kind of to spread into something else. But the way I see it is the columns, you have these different methodologies. So, like some of the ones I mentioned one on one interviews, usability testing, diary studies. And the top layer of the stack, we're not in at all. And that's the tool that helps you conduct that research. You might use DScout for a diary study or Qualtrics for a survey or Look Back or user testing for a usability test. So, that's the that first layer of the stack. I think there's a lot of tools there. We like to partner with those tools, we're friendly with them. And then there's a layer below, which is the participant layer of the stack. That's where we are. And I think that's been into recruitment and management, which are our recruit product and our research hub product. The first thing that makes this not as clean as you want is some of those testing tools also have an audience. So there's some kind of vertical integration. I think one of the other layers in the stack is basically the insight repository. So the place to store all the insights that comes out of the research As well. So that's, I think, a newer area with tools like EnjoyHQ or Dovetail, for instance.
2: Clearly, the business has a strong value proposition. You've raised a decent amount of capital. What's your thesis on the industry going forward as it relates to, I'll say the hot word, artificial intelligence, synthetic respondents? What's your take on all that?
0: Yeah, I'm not too concerned about the synthetic respondents. I think when you talk with researchers, they want to talk to humans, right? This is already qual. The stuff you're getting from these people, they're not things that are just already out there that you can aggregate. You're trying to get these very nuanced insights based off their experiences. That being said, I think AI will likely touch different parts of the stack. I'm not an expert here by any means. I think one way I could see it affect a lot of SaaS tools is through the interface. So uh, I think HubSpot showed a demo of this and you could imagine in user interviews instead of Going and launching a project, you just type, hey, I want to go launch another project for 10 engineers or something like that. So you can imagine just changing the interface from clicks to
2: like an Alexa model or kind of voice can go Exactly. Right? Okay. Or Siri, I should say. Either one.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think another place is I could imagine it, and I know then I know they're thinking about it, but I could imagine it having a stronger influence on that insights layer where you're aggregating insights because that is a lot of text that you're trying to curate through and trying to aggregate and curate and process. So that feels more like it lines up with a lot of what these LLMs are doing. So I know Dovetails released some content on that. So I know they're thinking about it. And I think I can really see some use cases on that layer of the stack. But as far as I think research will always need people to talk to, there's probably a little bit less of an effect there.
2: And What's your theory on the demand for user research? Is it growing? Is it steady? What do you anticipate it to be? I have my own hypothesis, but I'm curious what your perspective is.
0: Yeah, I mean, historic over the past five, 10 years, it's been growing quite fast. LinkedIn last year did a a report that was basically the fastest growing job titles. And I think user researcher was number seven or eight over from like 2017 to 2022. I forgot the exact dates. It was something like that. And that was all job. T- I think number one was vaccine specialists, right? So we're talking, it's a pretty broad range of titles. So being that high there, I think is a pretty good sign. And I've seen other charts from Indeed, et cetera, just showing job openings. The industry has definitely been hit by this kind of economic downturn in tech over the past few quarters, but I think that's more of a pullback. It's not systemic that going forward. I think if you look at the average Kager over you know, the next five years and the past five years, it's going to be quite healthy.
2: Yeah. I also think depending on which vertical you focus on, with direct-to-consumer brands being more agile, I think that the demand for user research is even higher now because everybody keeps saying the rate of failure is really high and it continues to be high. But as the markets get more competitive and it's more intense, I think the need for understanding how users perceive an idea, a product, a concept is critically important.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think people can build products faster, right? So there's product that needs to be created. And even if it's the same amount of user research per feature, per product, or per versioning, that's just increasing. And then AI is going to help that, right? AI is going to make it easier to build new product. And therefore, there's going to be more times when you want to do user research to get all of those qualitative insights. And one thing we've always believed is that the time to do this research, there the latent demand for qualitative insights and research has always been quite high. And it's just, there's always been a lot of friction. So the more you can remove that friction, the faster you can get people to do research, the more research they'll do is something we've always believed. And that's why we're so focused on speed with our recruitment.
2: You think the friction has been speed? I guess it's speed. And also through COVID, we went from in-person research to like qualitative online research.
0: Yeah. And I think that actually, like once people got used to it, it increased the total amount of research because it's just Having a stranger come into your office feels like a much bigger thing than just jumping on a Zoom call. But I do think speed is important because you're doing research to make a better decision, right? Or to learn something. So the time you have to make that decision, if it takes too long to do research, you're just going to skip it most of the time. So when you can bring it in to, hey, I have a decision Friday, I can do the research today, that'll allow you to use it for more decision points.
2: Like when people say that if I don't have the research in time, then I'm still going to make the decision. It's always interesting. I'm sure they're pointing to historical research in their mind, past studies, but it's they're making huge bets. And when you say there's no substitutability, basically, they're just saying we're skipping that step right now, which is amazing to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's similar to like data, right? Like companies became are just always becoming more data-driven as they have tracking, as they have Looker, whatever these are to make it easier and more democratized. and. Research, honestly, before us, it, it would take weeks to find people. So the kind of corny analogy I used to use all the time was like, imagine if your data team had to go to an outside vendor and wait two weeks to get their data sets. You would still use it for some big decisions or you'd use to do like a big project, but it couldn't be built into your day to day. And I think research, we want to bring it more to where data is, where it's always accessible and those insights are always available to you.
2: Basil, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I learned so much through our conversation and you know, I look forward to having you back on the show.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Data Gurus podcast brought to you by Infinity Squared. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tired of market research solutions that put your project in a box? At Paradigm Sample, we approach market research support with customized and consultative solutions. Whether you need help with questionnaire design, survey programming, or online data collection, we're ready to assist. Let us know your needs, and we can customize a solution just for you. Learn more at ParadigmSample.com.